Welcome to Through the Grapevine, our weekly podcast produced by Holy Infant Catholic Church here in Durham, North Carolina. This is Michaeline, and I am with Amber and Jeff. And today we are bringing you a uh, recap, not a recap, a replay Mm -hmm. episode um, because we have a special event coming up this weekend. Yeah, we're going to replay. We did a special Santo Nino episode last year because that was the first year that we had the liturgy uh, at like a normal parish liturgy time. So we wanted to kind of share a little more, learn a little more about what Santo Nino is and why it's important, especially for the Filipino community. And so we're going to replay that one because we're doing the same thing again. We're going to have the mass at uh, at the 1130 mass. We'll be celebrating Santo Nino feast. So it'll be good to rehash, learn a little bit more about, uh, yeah, how the feast got started and also a little bit about our um, celebration of it here at Holy Infant. And how was everyone's new year? It's the first podcast episode of 2024 in our in-between season. Mm-hmm. Seasons. What day is this? The 8th. Uh, the 8th. So this is the 8th day it's of the year. We're a week into it, right? pretty much. So far, so good, I suppose. How was your actual New Year's? What'd you do? Oh, the actual New Year's? Yeah. What did I do? Oh, yeah, we ate a lot because I made uh, clam dip. And that's when I went to Publix and I might have impulse bought an entire carrot cake, which I had to <laughs> eat myself. Nobody else likes carrot cake. So uh, so I do remember eating a lot of food. And we watched uh, the uh, Anderson Cooper <laughs> and uh, Andy Cohen. Oh, okay. Uh, and a interesting interview with uh, John Mayer in a cat bar in Japan. So that sort of impressed upon my brain. Yeah. Go look, look it up if you want to see something weirdly funny. I guess it was funny. I don't know. What did you do? We watched the first three oh, Pirates right. of the, the Caribbean. Pirates, yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> and my attention has never been held on a movie that long. And yeah, you watched Have three you seen movies. Them before? Yes, but oh. I've never watched like one, two, three, like oh. rolling right oh, into gosh. the next. But it really is the best way to watch the because like the ending of the first, like they all lead. Yeah. Like you could, it's like a big. I don't know. It's probably very similar to Lord of the Rings. Mm, yeah. Right? Is that I've never Star watched Wars. Lord of the Rings. Star Wars, watch the three. I've Star never Wars. watched Star Wars either. Boy, oh boy, like Harry Potter, <laughs> Harry Potter yeah, Harry all Potter. the same. Yeah, but I don't, I've, I don't think I've ever watched. Actually, maybe once, but like I don't know if I've ever watched like one full Harry Potter into another full Harry Potter. It makes sense because you like to watch these like reality shows, which are just serialized, and there's always like what's coming up next is like they yes. put, they they <laughs> shoot the whole the whole thing and then they divide it up so that there's a big. Cliffhanger, yeah. so and then you have to watch the next one and the next one and yeah. the next one. Yeah. I like the dopamine hits. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do, Amber? My little guy got to have a night, and by night I mean like three hours oh. at grandma and grandpa's house. Because oh. Dershan and I went to my friend Liz's house, who lives less than a mile from my parents. <laughs> so we stayed close and Rowan's big brother Queso did not carpentry more like recycling work at our house because of the fireworks so 
Some boxes left under the tree got shredded. He went into our pantry and tore up the soda can box Mm. and only punctured one, thankfully. So he has a vet appointment in two weeks. And we're going to revisit Xanax, I think. I think you really need to watch Turner and Hooch because the dog who pops the beer cans and then like (laughs) and gets it to spout out is very smart. That reminds me of what Casey would do. That's what he did with a grape poppy in the bottom of (laughs) our... um, pantry so we had grape probiotic <laughs> soda on the floor that was nice and sticky yeah, when we got home nice. around like one mm-hmm. but if that was the worst he did we are grateful that it wasn't door window trim yeah that was it for us i guess the january 1st and july 4th are the Dog's least favorite holidays. I don't understand the fireworks on New Year's thing. Like, I get it if you're at, like, New York City or, like, you know, like, the big bridge in London. Like, at those big landmark places. But here in Durham. Yeah. I don't Maybe it's just not one of my family traditions. Was it one of your traditions to ever do fireworks? No, I never knew people did fireworks until I came down here. Yeah, fireworks were illegal in Maryland. You had to drive to West Virginia. (laughs) But they have to drive to, like, South Carolina to get them here. Yeah, to get real ones. Yeah, Yeah, they sell, like, the little ones in the grocery store. But I just, I don't know. I never got the appeal. Yeah. We we planned uh, the third season of our wonderful podcast. And uh, so we have some exciting things coming up. Uh, and so we're going to do this long promised and still coming Stop. <laughs> uh, oral history. Um, so part one is going to drop next, next week. week, theoretically. And uh, so that'll be fun to finally put that together. And then we are celebrating the Feast of St. Francis de Sales the week after so you talked to somebody to help us. Uh, yeah, I talked to Brother more. Dan. I forgot how to pronounce his last name. I have it yeah. written down on a sticky note in my office, though. He was great. He's such a good storyteller. It's good. It's a good interview. So he's an obli and uh, is going to give us a little more insight on St. Francis de Sale and his life and a little more personal stuff about him. And then I think after that, history part two. Mm-hmm. And then we have Sarah Hart as, uh, is coming totally infant. And so we're going to hear from her. She'll be a fun guest to talk to. Um, and then what are we doing for Lent for our Lent series? We decided to do a series thing. Book club. Uh, book club yeah. Of the Hobbit. The Hobbit. <laughs> so if you haven't read the Hobbit, okay, let, should do we give insight or why we're doing that now or later? Well, I mean, people might wonder why. Are, I, I wouldn't like to know why we're doing it, to be honest. <laughs> but, because, yes, because oh. someone else, or no, I was, I forget what. I wanted to do Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, because mm-hmm. I actually think that's a very, like, Easter season story. You know, like, spoiler alert, Aslan comes back from the dead <laughs> in, like, a sacrificial way. Mm-hmm. But the Abiding Together podcast already did that. They already did a book club on the line, the witch in the wardrobe. So I didn't want to, and they probably have a much bigger legal team than ours. So I didn't want to get in trouble for copyright or yeah. plagiarism. Well, and yeah, we could read, and then it would have made sense to probably do the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy. But I think we determined that was I don't too much to read. reading <laughs> for a moment. So although I did, I did discover afterwards that there are a lot of people that actually do read the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy every Lent. That's like the, something wow. they do, and it has a, it's similar, uh, and it does have this very. There's a, 
sac- element of sacrifice and journey and everything that go along well with the season and culminating with Easter. So that said, and the Hobbit is you. I didn't know this. Yeah. It's apparently a children's book. Yes, more or less. Yeah, I've never read it. <laughs> so I read it in sixth grade. It was part of our sixth grade curriculum. So um, yeah, and I read. Now they uh, all read Percy Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to read, like, uh, I think it's four, maybe f- over four weeks, something like mm-hmm. that. And we're going to read sections of it. And you can read along. And I think we're going to have special, um, we're going to invite special guests. So you don't just have to hear from the three of us uh, commenting, but are uh, commentating. If you are <laughs> a, would it be a Lord of the Ring? Is that the fandom? Oh, yeah. It's, what are they called? Um, and there's a Tolkien. There's a thing about people that are obsessed with the J.R. Tolkien. So if you are yeah. one of those people and you want to come be a, a subject matter yeah. expert, yeah, please and set us right about the, <laughs> the Hobbit. And, but, or maybe you could tell us now, like this is a really bad idea. Yeah. Well, with that, um, did do you do we need to fill in listeners about what's happening this weekend for Santo Nino? Sure. Like we have the. This, this real special thing is that last year after Santo Nino, and it went pretty well having it at the parish liturgy, then I uh, was like, well, how about we can we try to invite Bishop Zarama? And he said yes. So we invited him well, about a year ago now, and he said yes. So he's going to come and celebrate, which is really cool. Um, and But it's the same, same sort of uh, deal. We'll have a chaplet. Uh, I think that starts at like uh, 1030-ish. And then uh, the procession with the dancers and the drumming around uh, sort of around the parking lot. And then it kind of leads back into the church and we begin mass. Uh, and then they'll do a big uh, celebration party afterwards in the DeSales Center. Is there fried chicken again this year? I assume there's going to be <laughs> chicken and all kinds of other treats and Filipino, uh, Filipino delicacies and stuff. So yeah, it should be... Uh, um, great. I know uh, there were a number of people last year that, you know, were not Filipino and didn't know this, what anything about this and actually just sort of went uh, and they and they even went to the party afterwards and they were like, they just like blown away and had such a great time. So don't feel like it. Everybody is welcome. And it's Santo Nino is like holy child or holy infant. So it's really kind of our it, our, our uh, patron it's the Holy Infant. So the day is really Christmas Day is sort of like our parish feast day, really technically. But uh, this is sort of also celebrating our, our patron of uh, the Holy Infant or the Holy Child. So come out and celebrate. The original Santo Nino statue was presented by Spanish expedition leader Magellan on April 14, 1521, to Raja Humaban, the leader of Cebu Island, who along with several hundred eventually converted to Christianity. The dark wood statue is about 12 inches tall and depicts Jesus as a child in the dress of a Spanish monarch with a golden crown, fine vestments, and jewels. After the destruction of the town on Cebu Island by a Spanish expedition in 1565, a Spanish mariner, Juan Camus, found the statue in a pine box. Its survival from the attack considered a miracle. A church was built on the site that Juan Camus found the Santo Nino image, and there now stands a minor basilica church on that location. The celebration of the feast varies in different areas of the Philippines, but typically includes a novena leading up to the feast day, a procession of the image through the community to the church, and a reenactment of that first mass and baptism on the islands in 1521. 
Then the huge Sinologue Festival is celebrated the following Sunday with millions of people enjoying parades and street parties with processions, dancing music, vibrant traditional dresses, and colorful flower floats. The celebration originally took place in April, but in the 18th century, Pope Innocent XIII moved it to the third Sunday of January so that it wouldn't conflict with the Easter season. In 1981, Pope St. John Paul II visited the island of Cebu, and in his homily for a special mass for families, he said, God's providence in the Philippines has been truly wonderful. The Christianization that took place in the 16th century was not something merely accidental. Divine grace was at work when the people of this region had their first contact with the image of the Santo Nino. At the concluding Mass of Pope Francis's visit to the Philippines in 2015, he said, In these days, throughout my visit, I have listened to you sing the song, We Are All God's Children. That's what the Santo Nino tells us. He reminds us of our deepest identity. All of us are God's children, members of God's family. He ended by saying, May the Santo Nino continue to bless the Philippines, and may he sustain the Christians of this great nation in their vocation to be witnesses and missionaries of the joy of the gospel in Asia and in the whole world. At Holy Infant, may our celebration remind us all that we are children of God, claimed in baptism, and called to reflect the light of Christ in all aspects of our lives. One thing that was interesting to me was to learn how this Santo Nino image had survived all these centuries, and especially during World War II when the Philippines was under attack and at times occupied. Indeed, heavy bombardment had badly damaged the churches in Cebu City, including the Santo Nino uh, and the convent near the harbor, and at one time a bomb even dropped right inside the Santo Nino church near the main altar, where the sacred image was at the center with no protective glass. It shook but did not fall uh, directly on the ground. Instead, it was found tilting and hanging with the cape snagged on the electric candles of the altar. The original icon of the Santo Nino de Cebu fell from its niche and acquired the chipped eye and scratched cheek. That incident left a visible scar on the right upper cheek, which remains one of the signature marks of the Santo Nino de Cebu for devotees who wonder if this is the original 16th century icon that was given as a gift by Magellan in 1521. After that incident, the Augustinian friars took the image from the debris of the church and carried it to the Redemptorist Monastery. This was the first time the Santo Nino icon had left its home base at the church since its enthronement in 1740. The accounts are sketchy, so there's this photo of the return of the statue, which is especially helpful and evidence of the cooperation between the Augustinians and the Redemptorists during the wartime emergency. It shows the end of the seven-month sanctuary on April 20th, 1945, with Thomas McHugh, the Irish rector at the time of the monastery, turning over the image of the Santo Nino with its crown, cape, and pedestal intact to Father Leandro Moran. So earlier this week, I was fortunate to be able to sit down with Dee, who's one of the longtime coordinators of our Santo Nino celebration at Holy Infant, to learn a little more about how our celebration at Holy Infant came to be and what we could expect this weekend. 
Well, actually, growing up, I heard about this, but it did not actually happen where I live, because I live in the city, and the, and the uh, processions and then the event, they're usually held in the provinces, and different provinces uh, hold it differently, but they always have the procession, especially in Cebu, where it's actually started, uh, there were were, you know, always uh, dancers and singing and, you know, drums, you know, that goes on during the parade. How we started here, uh, Rusty has that image of the Santo Nino, which was given to her. It was, um, you know, um, uh, transferred from house to house uh, after nine days of Novena. And I think we've been doing that for about almost 10 years. So we started it uh, with the novena, and we did it for five years. Mm-hmm. On the fifth year, uh, we had the courage to approach again the priest and ask him if we could have a, a mass. But he, is not, he was not going to do it, but we will, have, we, we will be inviting a Filipino priest to do it. So it was a Filipino priest who started, you know, doing our mass. Father McHugh, who was the priest at the time, uh, he was very approachable and very willing, you know, to have a mass. So, so he um, he started it. Uh, the first uh, priest uh, of Holy Infant who did, you know, the mass. Uh, that's how it started. And um, yeah, we still do the house to house, uh, the transfer of the image of the Santo Nino up to this time. You know, in our case at Holy Infant, we actually do it like uh, an annual religious tradition. In fact, Raleigh community, they will have also the Santo Nino. In fact, they have invited uh, Bishop Sarama for next week's celebration. Yeah, so they, you know, there's, uh, their celebration is more leaning towards the cultural tradition, and uh, whereas in our case, we are more focused on the religious aspect of it. Uh, we ask the people to bring their statue of the Holy Infant to be blessed and uh, unwrap gifts for the um, uh, pregnancy support services. I look forward to, um, you know, again, it's it's a, a good, well, we honor, you know, we pray and we honor him, you know. But it is a big day to me uh, to really pay homage, you know, to uh, Santo Nino. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, it is a good way to bring, you know, people together, you know, to celebrate you know, the face of Santo Nino.
Ay, mamá. 